0: let we turn to God's word together to Psalm 139. Let me lead us again in prayer for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you give us your word, that you don't keep us in the dark, but that you want to enlighten us. You want us to show us what you're like, to show us your ways. And we pray, please, would you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, when I was younger, I remember traveling around for about um, a week, 10 days uh, in France, um, all by myself. I thought it was going to be a a great idea. I thought it was going to be an amazing adventure, get to meet lots of people and uh, visit new places. It actually turned out to be quite a lonely time. Um, Now, I can cope with being by myself for a bit. uh, But after a couple of days, this kind of began to get to me. And I was wandering around these various French towns, anonymous, no one knew me, no one knew my name. Um, I didn't matter to any of them, I was just a tourist, a part of the footfall. Maybe you've experienced something uh, similar. Well, the reason I mention that is because sometimes we can feel like that, spiritually speaking. We can feel spiritually alone, spiritually insignificant, uh, spiritually lonely. When we think of God, we can start to question, does he really know me? You know, with seven uh, odd billion people on the planet and a whole universe to run. Do I really matter to him? Does he notice me? Is he really with me? Does he really care for me? Or am I just another creature on the planet, a mere number? And there's all, all sorts of reasons why we might feel like that. Perhaps it's because our prayers seem to us as if they just hit the ceiling and drop down again. Perhaps it's a nagging sense of guilt. Perhaps it's as we look to our lives and um, realize that they're not really quite how we hoped and planned and thought that they would turn out. Perhaps because it's because of depression or grief or maybe just the fact that we, we can't see God and we feel spiritually alone, spiritually insignificant by ourselves in the world. Well, over the next three Sundays, I want to consider different aspects of our identity, who we are, both as individuals and as a church, because, of course, who we think we are uh, shapes um, our attitude, how we think, how we act. And I thought we would begin with Psalm 139, which I, I think powerfully begins to answer some of those questions on our identity. Am I essentially alone? Is God with me? Do I matter to him? Who am I to God? Before we dive into this psalm, we just need to think for a moment about who can sing it, Uh, because this psalm, Psalm 139, is a song. You see that um, right at the top Uh, in the uh, uh, subtitle for the director of music. It's a song. So who can sing it? Who does this song belong to? Who is it true of? Um, I don't know about you. I enjoy listening to the national anthems when um, the medal ceremonies, when athletes are given their their medals and their anthem is played. My favorite anthem, I think, has to be said, is Italy's. Um, I don't know if you uh, remember it. It's a kind of epic, stirring anthem but of course it's not my song to sing because I'm not Italian and it's not true of me Um, it doesn't belong to me that anthem begins brothers of Italy that's not me it's not my song and in in a similar way Psalm 139 likewise can't just be sung by anyone because it's not true of everyone so who can sing this song who is this true of the first line says, you have searched me, Lord, you know me. Who's the me? Well, in the first instance, it's, it's King David. Uh, again, we see that in the subtitle, that this is of David. This is King David singing about his relationship with the living God. And therefore, this psalm also belongs to, and is true of, the Lord Jesus, the son of David, uh, the one who sits on David's throne, the one to whom King David pointed forward. This is a song that the Lord Jesus would have been able to sing about his relationship with his father. And because it's true of Jesus, it's also true of anyone who is in Jesus, true of anyone who is united to Christ by faith. And so if we're trusting in Christ, this song is also our song because of our spiritual unity with the Lord Jesus. So this song, this psalm, it isn't describing the relationship between the Living God and everyone everywhere. Uh, this song, this psalm is describing that privileged relationship between the Living God and His people, those who are in Christ, we who trust in the Lord Jesus. So who are we to God if we are united to Christ by faith? Who are we to God? Well, three things about who we are to God, and then two ways in which we can respond. Firstly, if we are united to the Lord Jesus, um, we can say that God knows me deeply. God knows me deeply. These first six verses are all about God's knowledge. You have searched, you know, you perceive, you discern. You are familiar with. Uh, but this isn't about God's encyclopedic knowledge of everything everywhere, that's true. This is about God's personal knowledge of us. You have searched me, Lord, you know me. And as David goes on in this psalm, it's really quite clear that there's nothing that God doesn't know about him. He goes on, you know when I sit And when I rise, my routines, my habits, you perceive my thoughts, uh, those doubts, those worries that we're perhaps slow to share with others. He says, you discern my going out, that is my public life, me when I'm around people, and my lying down, that is my private life, me when the guests leave and the doors shut. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely." knowing not just what we have said, but what we will say and why. God knows us inside out. He knows us as we really are. But just to be clear, this isn't big brother. This isn't some kind of sinister surveillance state. God's not watching us to try and catch us out. So no, he, he knows us inside out in order to comfort us, and be with us, and to help us. You think of a mother who, even in a really noisy room, can pick out her baby's cry, distinguish it from all the other noise, and know what that cry means. That that cry, that's a I'm sad cry, and that that cry is a, a I'm hurting cry, and that that cry is a I, I'm scared cry. Intimate knowledge. And that is David's experience of God. You know me inside out. You hem me in. You lay your hands upon me. And for us too, God knows us inside out so that he can comfort us, so that he can help us. If we're in Christ, if we're united to Christ by faith, we can say, we can sing, God knows me deeply. Uh, More than that, we can say God is with me everywhere, Uh, looking here at verses 7 to 12, uh, 7 to 12, and in particular, that God is with me in all places, no matter how remote. In verse 7, David asks a question, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Now, David isn't Jonah. Uh, David isn't planning or intending on running away from God or trying to run away from God as if God were a threat to him. No, it's as if David is saying this with a smile on his face. Almost as if he's saying, look, it's so wonderful. I mean, if, if I wanted to flee, where would I go to? I can't. He thinks about four extremes. Up, verse eight, if I go to the heavens you are there. Put me on Mars, put me on Pluto, and even there, you will be with me. Down, if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I were to sink to the bottom of the deepest sea, when I'm six feet underground, buried in the grave, you are with me. Way out east, verse nine, if I rise in the wings of the dawn. Way out west, if I settle on the far side of the sea, verse 10, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Up, down, east and west. In all places, no matter how remote, David says, you are with me. And that is worth us just reflecting on, I think. God isn't just with us here this morning at church. He will also go with you into your week. As you head perhaps to work tomorrow, as you go to that hospital appointment, perhaps, as you go on the business trip, when you find yourself lost in the middle of nowhere, what does he say? Even there, his hand will guide you, his right hand will hold you fast. God is with us in all places, no matter how remote. And he is with us in all circumstances, no matter how dark. Looking here at verses 11 and 12, David goes on to say, if, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light becomes night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for darkness is as light to you. When we're surrounded by darkness, when we're surrounded by uh, gross evil, we can particular, particularly feel very alone. Uh, we think God mustn't be here. We talk about darkness, God-forsaken places. But David knows that that's just not true, that God is always with him in all circumstances, no matter how dark, no matter how dangerous. I'm sure that many of you will know the story of Kari Ten Boom and, and her family, um, a Christian family who hid a uh, countless number of, uh, of Jewish people um, uh, during the Second World War to stop them being sent to the concentration camps um, but as you'll know, their, their, their house was raided. Uh, she and her sister, Betsy, were taken to Ravensbrook concentration camp. And that really was a very, very dark, dark, evil place. Uh, they reckon that in 1944, uh, there were about 45,000 women and children um, locked up there. They reckon that there were about 80 people who died every day through starvation, or through the gas chambers, or through overwork, or through exhaustion. A dark, dark place, grossly evil, a death camp. But even in that place, surrounded by deep darkness, these two sisters knew that God was with them. Just two weeks before Betsy died, she reminded her sister with these words, there is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. There is no pit so deep that God is not deeper still. If we are in Christ, he is with us in all circumstances, no matter how dark, no matter how dangerous. The Apostle Paul echoes those thoughts in Romans eight. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're in Christ, if you're trusting in him by faith, God is with you in all circumstances, no matter how dark, no matter how dangerous. But there's more than that. Because if we're in Christ, we can also say that God is the architect and author of our lives. Uh, you think of a careful architect uh, designing some grand uh, building, some grand plan, thinking through every single aspect of it, um, pouring over small details that perhaps you or I might ignore, sketching it all out exactly how she wants it to be. Her friend texts her and says, uh, come on, let's go for coffee. Good. Your plan, it's good enough. And she says, good enough isn't good enough for me. This has got to be exactly how I want it. And then at the build stage, overseeing it all, intimately involved with every aspect of it, always on site. Well, when it comes to our lives, God is like that architect. In verse 13, David says, you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. David goes back to the very beginning of life um, to a point maybe even before his mother realized that she was pregnant with him and says right from there you were meticulously, carefully designing and planning everything about me. Planning it. Designing it, fashioning it exactly the way you wanted. And again, that's just worth pausing and reflecting on as we think on our own lives. It's an amazing thought. Whatever our sex, our personality, whatever our natural strengths or weaknesses, whatever our abilities or limitations, how we look, how we naturally think, everything about us, God is the one meticulously, carefully planned and fashioned every aspect of our being exactly the way he wanted. He is the architect of our lives. And indeed, he's the author of our lives as well. Verse 16, he says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. One of my favorite authors is a man called Ben McIntyre. He writes... Um, spy um, biographies, uh, spies from the Second World War, from the Cold War. Fascinating stuff. And his process is, is really meticulous. He'll uh, interview uh, people who knew the spy. He'll pore over declassified government documents. He'll visit the various places, and then he'll write up his, his, his biography. Well, God is our biography. He writes our story. But with one key difference, and he writes up our stories not before, not after we've lived, but before we ever lived. It's not recording history after the fact, but authoring and planning it all in advance. before one of them came to be, all the, day, all the days ordained for me, written in your book." And his book of our lives is a complete biography. He writes up in advance every day, every hour, every joy, every sadness, every success and failure. He doesn't program us as if we're robots. And yet in the mystery of God, he plans and pens every one of our days in his book. And again, that should just comfort us and reassure us as we think in our lives. It means he knows what's in store for us in this year ahead, what What may come, may come as a shock to us, perhaps. It's not going to be a surprise to him. He knows it all. We can trust him with it. And so if we're in Christ, God says to us, I know you deeply. I'm with you in all places, no matter how remote. I'm with you in all circumstances, no matter how dark or dangerous. I am the architect and author of your life. Three things about who we are to God. Well, how should we respond to God in response? I think this psalm gives us two ways. Um, Firstly, we should follow David's lead and praise him. You know, as David sings this song, as he pens this psalm, praise just comes out of everywhere. He's just so enthusiastic about his God. Verse six, he says, "'Such knowledge is too wonderful for me.'" Verse 14, "'I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful.'" Verse 17, "'How precious to me are your thoughts, God.'" In other words, as as David thinks about how his God knows him and cares for him, it's as if he says, "'God, you are great. You are wonderful. You are amazing.'" And as he thinks about himself, it's as if he says, I am so privileged, so privileged to be known by and cared for by the living God. You know, sometimes we can uh, be guilty of just getting a little bit blasé about our relationship with God. Sometimes even, if we're honest, we can be underwhelmed by the fact that God knows us and cares for us. Let's instead be like David and meditate, and ponder, and consider this amazing privilege of being known by and cared for by God, and then open our mouths to praise Him. So we should praise God for who we are to Him. And then secondly and finally, in terms of our response to God, well, we should be loyal to Him. And I think that's what uh, verses 19 to 24 are all about. I guess to our modern ears, these, these these verses are a bit of a jolt, uh, perhaps not what we were quite expecting um, from David saying, one minute, your works are wonderful, you are amazing, God, to then saying, um, I hate those who hate you. What's going on? Well, just to be clear, David isn't getting hot under the collar about his own enemies. He isn't thinking about his Difficult neighbors, or his rivals, or people who have harmed him, or people whom he hates, or who hate him. He isn't saying to God, Look, come to my aid and crush my enemies. Now, he's speaking here about God's enemies. Verse 20, if you've got it in front of you, those who speak of you with evil intent, your adversaries, those who misuse your name. Verse 21, those who hate you, those who are in rebellion against you. In other words, he's not saying crush my enemies. He's saying crush your enemies. In other words, he is expressing his allegiance, his loyalty, his solidarity with his God. It's as if he's saying, God, I'm on your team. Your enemies are my enemies because I'm with you. Of course, God doesn't need David to stick up for him. God's more than capable of, of handling himself. And yet, David's solidarity, loyalty, allegiance to God, his zeal for God's honor is absolutely right. God had been so faithful and good to David despite his sin, How could David be any less faithful and loyal to him? But a zeal for God's honor isn't just directed outwards towards God's enemies out there and the evil that they do. It also causes him to reflect on his own life and to ask himself the question, is there any hidden evil, not just out there, but in here? Is there stuff in here which dishonors you? Verse 23, 24, search me, God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I don't know about you, I just find it's very easy, isn't it, to find fault in other people, Uh, perhaps to read something, edifying, and to think, oh, I so wish that so-and-so would read this and then leave it there. To be grieved by the sins of others, but to be relaxed about our own sin. Not David. His loyalty to God, his desire for God's honor, extends to his own heart too. see if there is any offensive way in me. In other words, he has the maturity to realize that we all have blind spots. Sins which other people might see in us very clearly, but which we just can't and so David prays and asks God, point them out to me. Show me where I've failed you. Show me what I can't see so that I might honor you by repenting of them. That is the level of his loyalty to God. And so for us too, in light of who we are to God, let's be those who praise him, let's be those who are loyal to him, those who are, be, who, who are willing to be known as his, Even if that means opposition or difficulty. Those who are willing to be associated with his his apostles and with his people. Let's be those who are unashamed to be on his team. Those who are zealous for his glory and honor. Let's be those who are willing to invite God to search out our own hearts and to point out the sins that we're blind to that we might turn from them. Are we alone? Is it just me by myself? does God really care about me and my life and the details of it? Is he with me? Well, if we're in Christ, if we're trusting in Christ, we can say, God knows me deeply. God is with me everywhere, in all places, no matter how remote, in all circumstances, no matter how dark or dangerous. He is the architect and author of my life. And so I'm going to praise him with everything that I've got and be loyal to him all my days. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we echo King David and his words when he praises you. We praise you, Heavenly Father. You are wonderful. You are, you know everything. You know us deeply and inside out. You care for us. You understand us. You are patient with us. You are with us in all the circumstances of our life. Heavenly Father, we praise you. We glorify you in the Lord Jesus. And help us, please, in the light of who you are to us. Help us to be those who are loyal to you. In light of your faithfulness, help us, please, by your Spirit, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.